everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelitz and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. As always, have with me my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. For those that watch this on video, you see both Steve and I are ready. We got our Wimbledon whites on. Such a short, uh, I don't know, wait between the French and Wimbledon as opposed to Australia to the French and Australia, you have the Australian, then you have some other events, then you get the sunshine double, and then you get the arduous and long clay court season before we get to Roland Garros. You finish Roland Garros, you blink your eye, and here we are, we're recording Saturday, early evening, first ball, I don't know, 36, 40 hours away almost, Steve. I'm ready. I know you're ready. Yeah, no, I think, uh, and I think fortunately the players are too. The three weeks is it, it's enough time, and they pick their spots, and they and uh, Djokovic came over and, and played a, some an EXO at Curlingham the other day against Francis Tiafoe. Every everybody's prepared, I think, and and it, it's the highlight of the year for me always, because no matter what everybody wants to talk about in terms of the gains in stature and prestige of the U.S. Open, which has grown uh, significantly in so many ways as a major sporting event in America and the Australian Open, which starts the year and Roland Garros, which has its place as the clay court capital of the world. There's still nothing like Wimbledon and there never will be. And, and no player will be honest if they don't tell you it's the biggest, which is why when Rafa won it for the first time in 08, he was so overjoyed. You could see him and what, and he was obviously enamored of the French clay and so proud of what he'd already done there. But when he broke through at Wimbledon in 08, I think when all is said and done and he, and he talks about his career, he's going to talk about that, that epic with Roger in 08, not just the epic, but the fact that it was his first Wimbledon title. Correct. Yeah. Very well said. There is truly something special uh, about Wimbledon and no one knows that better than you. So let's, let's get to it. A few things before we um, look at some of the, the, uh, intriguing first round matchups again with these previews we normally don't like to project too far because so many things could happen so but we will talk about uh you know a few of the intriguing first round matches um maybe a little bit projection but not too far into the future before we do that let's hit on some things that are leading up to this first ball at Wimbledon first on Thursday this past Thursday some big news I didn't see it coming I don't know if anyone saw it coming Caroline Wozniacki uh, announces she is going to return, not only return, but then we hear she gets a wild card entry into this year, 2023 U.S. Open. That's just a couple months away, Steve. I was, you know, I was like, wow, that's great. She's returning. I was even more shocked that they announced a wild card for her just around the corner. Again, she knows her level more than anyone out here, but that seemed quick for me. Uh, it's obviously in deference to, you know, uh, someone who concluded two years at number one in the world, won a major at the Australian Open that has been in the finals of the U.S. Open. So I, I, I get why they would do that. But she, of course, will have to put in a lot of hard work between now and then. I suspect, David, that one of the reasons why she decided to do it was she got in that television booth. As you know, in the last year, she's done a lot of commentary. And I think being around it, I remember seeing her at Wimbledon last year up in the player area with her whole family. They were all just gathered there around lunchtime. And I'm thinking to myself, it must be hard to be around the scene like this and, and come to terms with the fact that you're not playing anymore. And the way she explained it was, you know, the kids are, gonna, are growing up. If she was going to do it, she had to do it now. This was the time. In a few years' time, it wouldn't work. So 
let's hope for the best. Yeah, no, I agree. It'll be interesting to, to, to see how the comeback goes. Um, Coco Goff, good week for Coco. She didn't win the title, but very good week. She beat her doubles part, partner right now, Jesse Pagula, 6-3, Eastbourne. Coco then loses to Madison Keys, who Maddie won, wins the tournament. We've talked about Madison quite a bit. Um, you know, when Madison's playing well, she can hit anyone off the court. It's just the inconsistencies with her game that um, are obviously holding her back. Because again, when she's on top of her game, she could literally hit anyone off the court. Um, both Coco and Madison, I mean, can't, uh, can't have much better prep than, than they both had this past week. No, it's true. It was a little, that was a nice lift for Coco to have that win over, over Pagula. It's, it's her best win in a long time. And, and I don't think it'll be that stinging to Pagula, by the way. I think she can handle it. She's had such good, solid results, and she's such a resilient competitor. Uh, as far as keys, what impressed me was watching her final today was how she handled the win so well. It was frustrating. There were times that yeah, I remember on, on a match point, she hit a back end down the line, and she thought safely, and it, and it swerved wide on her. You know, the wind just took it wide, and she was exasperated, but she stayed with it. So I think this is her, her best tournament in a long time, and it'll carry her into Wimbledon with uh, the winds behind her, the winds of confidence, you might say. So I, I'll be really intrigued to see what she can do, to see if Pagula can bounce back, which I think she will from the loss to Coco, and then Coco just to keep going. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm looking at the draw as we speak, and once again, David, Coco is seated seventh this time. She would face the number one seed, Sriantec, in the quarters. She seems not to be able to avoid Iga. Which yeah. is not now. Maybe she'd rather play her on grass, by the way, than the clay. I do believe that, despite the fact that they played a French final a year ago and then met again this year, again not in the finals. But I think that'll help. That it's the grass. Maybe her if she's getting a lot of first serves in, she can impose herself more. But bad luck in a way that some of these draws have not been kind to her. Yeah, a lot of people said as soon as the draw came out, a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, Coco cannot get away from from Iga," but. Agreed to what you said. If she has to face her, grass may be her best bet um, in order to get a win over over Ega. So um, we'll see. Hey, you mentioned, you know, Caroline Wozniacki in the commentary booth. Another person who's dabbled in the commentary booth at Tennis Channel, Mr. Christopher Eubanks, who made top 100 when he when he had his run in Miami. Now he's top 50. I think he's going to be what, like 43 come Monday, yeah. Steve? Yeah. He Amazing. just won his first ATP title of his career. This one on the grass courts in Mallorca. Mr. Christopher Eubanks is playing some ball this year, Mr. Flink. Oh, he is. And, and fortunately, you know, sometimes you need just that element of luck, a little bit of luck. He'd be the first to admit it, saving five match points in his semifinal against Paris and had a love 40 hold near the end, which was crucial. And uh, then takes advantage of it. And seemingly has a tough final on his hands against Manorino, the left-handed Frenchman, and he wins it easily, one and four. You know, a little trouble. He beat in the him in Miami too, Steve. Beat him in Miami on the hard, which helped, I'm sure, coming in. But still, that that this was a really clear-cut win. They had an exchange of breaks in the second set, but to win one and four in, in that final, and it, it it's going to make his life so much easier for the rest of the year now because of, because of the higher ranking, getting into events, and also just believing in himself. 
and he played really smart tennis. In, in, I mean, uh, it's it, it's interesting to see these guys. They they try and they work and they get so close to cracking that top 100, right? And then they finally do it, and boom, he's almost cracked 60 spots since that point. It's like what you said. It's that confidence. It's like there's that mental block of you're either in the top 100 or you're not in the top 100. And once you get through into the top 100, it's like, here we go. Some people handled it very well. And when you see what Chris is doing right now, he he's on a roll. And you mentioned the comment commentary, David, and I've, I've always, I, I think he comes across very well on the air. So well. And he's, he's thoughtful and he's cerebral and he's got, he's got belief in himself without being cocky, but this is, this, this will do him a world of good. This is more than he ever could have anticipated. And regardless of how he does at Wimbledon, I think he's, he's got a big summer ahead. Let's let's go focus now uh, on the draw itself, and, and we got to start with uh, a guy who's what he's won twenty eight matches in a row here. Uh, Novak Djokovic, you remember in two thousand eighteen, he beat Kevin Anderson. Um, that was a weird, a lot of rain delays and a lot of a tr- crazy long matches. Novak beat Rafa over a two day span. Kevin beat well, that was the one where Kevin beat John Isner. Took forever. Yeah. Um, Kevin was just gassed in that final. I'm not saying Kevin would have beaten Novak even if he was healthy, but he had no chance of beating him that day um, because of the lengthy match prior. Then you have the 2019 classic between Novak and Roger. Everyone still uh, talks about that match and the people who are Roger Federer fans wishes we move past this match right now. And then there's the Matteo Berrettini. Remember in 2020, we didn't play it. So in 2021, yeah, but David, David, that's important because think about it. When we think about it, the fact that Novak has pulled ahead in the major championships race, he's one ahead of Rafa now, 23-22. That Wimbledon 20, he would have been a huge favorite, a big, big favorite, as big a favorite as he is right now. Didn't get to play it at all. That probably hurt him more than anybody because he was the most likely to succeed. Just wanted to throw that in. Yeah, and then the 20, and then he just continues on, right? The 2021 against Berrettini, and then 2022, the last year final against Nick Kyrgios, who I thought I thought Nick played very, very well that match. It took Novak to play really well to, to beat Nick. So here he is, 28 matches in. Um, I mean, I he's I know Carlos is number one, but before we get into some matchups, I mean Novak is the clear cut favorite, clear cut oh. favorite here. Listen, Carlos, it, it, was, it was such an appealing young man and so so confident yet never cocky, never arrogant. He was the first to say it himself. He knows it. Everybody knows it. If Carlos got a, a, a nice boost by winning Queens Club. It was a very good effort, his first grass court tournament title. But this is a whole, a whole different world at, at, at Wimbledon, you know, for two weeks at a Grand Slam event. And Novak understand. He's also going for an eighth title to tie Roger Federer for the men's record. So that's also quite significant, quite important to him. Not to mention, he wants that third straight Grand Slam title to keep alive his hopes of a Grand Slam, which you very correctly, two years ago, when Tracy Austin and myself were doubting that he would ever get himself back in that position, so hard to be two or three legs along, to put yourself in this position and look like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity Turns out it may not be because he's the big favorite for Wimbledon. So he's got so much riding historically on this coming fortnight on the lawns of Wimbledon. And what Steve is talking about, obviously, it's so hard to win the first two because you have this guy named Rafa Nadal who is always winning that second slam. So when you do, when you are able to get those first two, you have to take advantage of that opportunity, which Novak did, which Novak did two years ago. 
went to the final match and lost to Daniil Medvedev. And as you mentioned, there's a big gap between the Australian and, and, and the French, and there's a long clay court campaign. So in addition to rap, it's just very tricky to sort of find your, you come into Australia and there's been an off season, but Novak, that's been his home away from home more than any of the majors. He's got 10 titles there now, but it's always tricky to, prepare yourself for Roland Garros. And most of those years, you're worried about Rafa. This year was more a matter of just recapturing his form, which Novak managed to do over the fortnight at Roland Garros. So here he is. And these things are definitely swirling around his mind, David, you know, that, that keeping a hope, his hopes alive for the grand slam, winning Wimbledon again to tie Roger. And then knowing that would put him in a position to go back to New York where he might have, uh, considerably more fan support than he had two years ago, with the exception of the final, when there was almost a sympathy support for him at the end, when Medvedev was about to close him out in straight sets, and the fans were applauding him, and he kind of broke into tears in his towel at the changeover. That's unusual. This time, I think, if he put himself in that position, wins Wimbledon again, the New York fans, will, will I, I suspect, will be largely behind him over the course of the tournament. So, you know, all of these things are clearly in the forefront of his mind right now. And he's just trying to keep, keep in the, in the present and just take it match by match. He's awfully good at that. Yeah, he, he is. And uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think he did two years ago in New York. I think leading up to that final, he did everything possible that he could do. And he did it quite well in trying to keep in the present. If you remember his interviews after each match, he didn't try to look too far ahead. Oh, no. I mean, gosh, 27 out of 28 matches and slams, but I agree with you, Steve, you know, experience is often your best teacher, right? And if, if he's blessed to be able to get that opportunity again, again, there's no guarantee he's going to win it. There's never any guarantee he's going to win it, but he will have had that past experience in his head that he knows, look, I've been here before. This is what I could maybe learn from my past and maybe get through the finish line here. Absolutely right. And and I and then Matt Spielander was sort of getting at that in an interview that he did with Eurosport that he thought he'd be more relaxed at Wimbledon uh, than you might expect. And I think in turn, if he gets through that, yes, I think his attitude would be a little different. And he tried to sort of relieve some of the tension because you could feel it. You mentioned the post-match interviews at the Open two years ago, but I could feel it every pre-match interview, which they forced the players to do that. He just, you just felt like he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I, I got a feeling that things could be very different uh, this year, but first things first, he's got to uh, secure that Wimbledon title. Absolutely. Okay. Let's start on the women's draw. And to me, there were some matchups that there were some big names. I, the rankings, maybe there may be some disparity in rankings, but name-wise and players who may be lower ranked um, yet have been dangerous in the past on this surface. So let's, let's talk a few, let's talk about a few of these. I'll kind of be like quick hitters with you. The first one that, that I saw was Ali risk arbitrage versus Paula Bedosa. We Paula Bedosa has been all over the news. We all know why, right? Her and <laughs> Stefanos Tsitsipas. I think they're, they're going to be on the, the, the front cover of people magazine if they keep this up. But um you got Ali Risk, who's played well on the grass before, Steve. Again, her results have been inconsistent, but big name, played well in the past. Can she beat Paula Bedosa in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a hard match to call because Paula hasn't been in her – she's been trying to get back to the very top of her game, and she hasn't quite reached that level yet. And grass is certainly not her favorite surface, and you're right. Risk enjoys the grass and has had good success there in the past. and. Uh, 
really good match with Serena. And, you know, she's really, she's, she's performed quite well uh, on the lawns, but I, I, I think that it could be very tight. It's just that recently risk has not been this, the same player. That's, that's what we, we have to wonder. Can she get back to top form? Because we haven't seen her at the level that she was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago at Wimbledon. I mean, two to four years ago. So I just, that, that's what I'm wondering, you know, which risk are we going to see? Is it going to be, because if she's at in top form and confident, that match can be, could be very, very close. Agreed. If not, if this one, not, I'm going with the Bedosa in, in a couple of tight sets, but if risk is in really great form and so, suddenly sort of revisits her past, then I see her with a chance to pull it off in three sets. We'll see. I'm, I'm leaning Bedosa on that one. Okay, how about this one? I am too. I am yeah. too. 43-year-old yeah. Venus Williams draws Alina Svitolina. Um, that's a tough one for both players. Tough one for Venus, but you know how good she's been at Wimbledon. So uh, that should be an intriguing first-round match as well. Yeah, and Venus has been playing well on the grass, had a really good match with Ostapenko, which she lost in three sets. That'll help her. She can't serve as consistently big as she used to, where she could get in that 123 to 127 MPH range. She was the biggest server in women's tennis. Serena was the best server, but Venus had it. That first serve was fearsome for, you know, and not fun for, the, for her opponents. Right now, she can't rely on that weapon quite to the degree she did in the past. And she's not as fast as she was, but she's still Venus and she's still formidable and and so if she was going to play Swidalina on any court, this would be the one she would pick. She would love to play her on the grass versus hard or clay for sure. So it'll be interesting. Again, I still go with Swidalina. Uh, you know, it, maybe it goes three, but I've got to like her chances. We mentioned her earlier, Coco Goff versus Sophia Kennan. Kennan's got the grand slam. She's got the major title that Coco has been searching for. Um, obviously, Coco has been more informed. And so then Sophia Kennan has lately, but still very interesting first round match. It is. That's that they, again. I mean, here I was looking ahead a little bit for Coco into the potential quarter with the top seeds, Viontek. But yeah, that's that's no that's no uh, automatic win for Coco by any means. And she's got to be she's got to sort of treat that as if she's already in the fourth round of the quarters. You know, she really needs to gear up for that match. Usually. A lot of times the top seeds can ease their way into the tournament. They're not taking it for granted, but they they might be playing somebody, you know, far less accomplished and less dangerous. And therefore they feel like if they're at 80 to 85%, they're good enough here. I think Coco wants to feel like she's 90 to 95% to make certain that she gets the job done. Another player we mentioned earlier and Coco's doubles partner, Jesse Pagula, versus Lauren Davis. Lauren is someone that I've always kind of followed throughout her career, Midwestern roots. We, we, uh, I know some of the people in her camp just growing up in the, in, you know, the Midwest, uh, big fan of Lauren, obviously heart of a lion short in size, right? She's short in size, heart of a lion. We all remember the crazy match she played against Halep in the Australian open a few years ago, which Oh man, we would have liked Lauren to, to get through that match, but she's also pretty good on this surface. Um, Jesse, I think a little bit too much for her right now. I would think so. I would, I would definitely think so right now, Jesse, you know, it, it, she's a, she's a better match player at this point. And she just, she, she should given her stature and she spent so much time at number three in the world. And 
I, I, I got, I like her chances. And again, she's going to go out there with her typical brand of professionalism and know-how and match playing skills. And I'll take her and not easy though, maybe a sort of a four and four, four and five match. Still looking for her first semifinal in a major, right? Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wimbledon champ, defending champ, Lana Rabakina versus another name who's done well in the past on grass. Shelby Rogers again just Shelby just hasn't had the results as of late but we all know how dangerous she can be uh Rebecca defending champ we all know how well she likes this surface can Shelby make it competitive I hope so I hope so I I feel like Shelby can play on any surface I'm not sure she's not a bit better on the hard courts but she's she is somebody that does not there's no extra apprehension for her to play the top players. You know, we remember her uh, beating Ash Barty at the U S open. I mean, she can do it against the top ones. Uh, right now. I don't know right now. I feel like she's up against an awfully good server in Rubaka. And I think that's going to be the question. Can she return? She's a very good returner. She's got a great ground game overall, but is she going to be able to return consistently enough to worry Rubaka? I don't know. I, again, I see that more or less three and four, for Rybakina because I think her serve is going to dictate the the outcome of that contest, that she will be largely unbreakable. That's how, particularly, by the way, with the courts being so slick in the first round, that does not help Shelby's chances. But it's it's nice for the fans to see that because, you know, David, with these 32 seeds in the men's and women's divisions, a lot of times we don't get this many enticing first round matches. It does. And that's been one of the things I haven't liked about when they went from 16 to 32 seeds. I would have preferred they stayed at 16. But this year, this year's Wimbledon has an unusual, uncommon number of of uh, highly appealing first round clashes for the men and the women. And you just mentioned one of them. And let's let's go now to the to the men's side and let's look at a few of these first round matchups. I kind of wish it was on a different surface for Dominic's team, but it's Dominic team versus Stefano Sitsipas. Um I'm, I'm, I think Tsitsipas wins this in three. If he's not playing great, maybe four. But um, again, team versus Tsitsipas, first round of a major. You don't expect to see that in the first round. No, and they've had the, not at all. And you've had this history. They once met in the in the ATP finals at the end of the year. Had a spectacular match that Stefanos won. And 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 they played mainly at, at you know on big stages and latter rounds. And now, of course, team is been through a very difficult period in his career and problems with his wrist and missing all that time and sort of a COVID crisis in his mind. There were many things that happened to him that wounded his psyche and his body. Now that's about, that's not a great draw, despite the fact that Stefanos appears a bit distracted maybe by this new relationship, but beyond that, he's just in a tennis slump. So that might help a little bit for team that, that it's not necessarily the best step in us, but I still feel, despite the fact that Sitsipas has not fully established himself on, on grass yet, that his game, the, the coming forward, the attacking, the willingness to volley, all, all of his skills and attributes play to the surface much better than teams. And so I still feel, and again, they'll be playing with the courts quick, where Dominic is not going to have time to really unload his biggest shots all the time. You know, it's not going to, I, I just feel like the conditions will favor Sitsipas. So I agree with your call three or four, but Sitsipas the winner. And if we project just one round later, if Sitsipas wins that match, there's a potential matchup with Andy Murray. And if Andy gets his teeth 
into that match, you know that crowd is going to rally behind Andy. Let's hope for tennis fans we do get that potential second-round match. And remember, they played a few years ago that great match at the U.S. Open. And, and uh, you know, it was a, co- a little controversy, a little contentious. Andy said some things about Stefanos and the bathroom breaks, but the bottom line is a very tight match. Here would be on the center court. Now, I have a very different feeling about that match because I think Murray would have a very real chance, if, as you said, if he gets his teeth into it early and gets that crowd behind him, it could be a very tough day for Stefanos would need to be pretty be in top form to, because he's going to be contending with a two-time former champion and also the, the crowd's the, the crowd favorite. So uh, it'll be a Davis cup atmosphere. So that won't be as enjoyable for Sitsipis, I don't think as his first round match. I, I hope we get to see it though. That would be fascinating right now to see Murray and, and Stephanos. Yes, it would. Okay. Hey, for you Taylor Fritz fans, you want to really be careful with this first round match right now. He plays Yannick Hanfman. Yannick had a huge week, really good week for me. Beat Sitsipas. He also beat Feliciano Lopez. Shout out Feliciano Lopez. That's his last tournament, I believe, Steve. Great career for Lopez. Right. Um, right. Taylor has not been playing up to his standard as of late. I'm looking forward to seeing that match. I think Taylor gets through. But again, if you're a Taylor Fritz fan, you cannot look past this match because this could be a tricky one. Taylor knows, David, that a lot of people were took note last year when he was in the quarters and was ever so close to losing in a fifth set tiebreak to Rafa. And then he would have played Kyrgios in the semis. Rafa had a default. And who's to know? Frankly, I think he would have had a almost almost a 50-50 match going in. His game against Knicks on grass, it would have been very close. We'll never know. But that got, that sort of was, that's the best major we've ever seen from him. And he really wants to assert himself in the majors. And he knows he hasn't been playing well lately, but he's got to sort of put these recent weeks on grass behind him and just find a way to win that match. And I think, I think it's four, possibly five sets, but I like his chances in the end to come through. Yeah, I like Taylor to go to to gut his way through that one as well. All right, hey, Wimbledon defending champion Nick Kyrgios. What he's played one match this year. No one knows what to expect. He plays David Goffin. I don't think Nick even knows what to expect. Um, he did get seated, so he's not going to be playing. You know, he 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 wasn't one of those dangerous floaters this year in the draw. That said, if he gets on a roll, he can play with anybody. We all know that. But I, this may be too tall an order, Steve. He just hasn't played. And we talk about how important match practice is. Maybe he can work himself, uh, work his way into a tournament, as you referred to earlier. But it, again, if, he, if it goes long matches, who knows how his body will hold up? It, it's just asking a lot um, with him not playing all year. As you said, David, we're taping. We're taping now, just so the listeners can know, we're taping on Saturday. I I still feel there's about a thirty percent chance he pulls out of the tournament. I hope really? I'm wrong. Really? I mean, I, I'm that's sheer speculation. Yeah. But I just for the reasons you just cited, I just not sure he's that healthy. There's talk about the wrist. We know about the knee. He has great respect for Gofan. It's going to be a question of how he's been feeling in practice, whether he really thinks he's up to this. I, I, hopefully he does try to play that match. But as you know, Gofan been in the quarters there. He's a, he's a wily veteran. He knows what he's doing on every surface. He won't be afraid of Nick. And he knows that Nick is, is terribly shy of uh, uh, 
had, does not have that match play that he needed. A year ago, it was, I mean, he had good preparation, a couple of semis on the grass. He played really well coming in. And he did pull out of one tournament at the end, but you knew he'd had a lot of matches. And that was one of the keys to his run to the final was that he was match tough. So not only to just turn on a switch right now with one right. match here, I just don't, like you said, so maybe he escapes against Gofan in four or five tough sets. Where does it go from there? I yeah, because I think I think I think I referred to it last week. If if you win a long, even a long four setter or five setter, your body will be in shock. He's, his body is not used to doing that this year yet. So how quickly can you recover for your next round? That, well, that normally, nor you're right. And normally, when the players are in shape, that one day off is enough to enable them. But I don't think it's going to be enough for him this time around. So to me. The notion that he would end up playing Djokovic in the quarters, which is what would happen if he gets that far and they both get that far, I don't know. It's, it's very unlikely. I feel like he had a dream run last year. He earned it. He deserved it. He might well have beaten Rafa, especially in the condition Rafa was in last year. So all power to him. And as you mentioned, it was a first-rate final. He won the first set against Novak and eventually lost in a four-set tiebreak. It was a really high-quality high final on both sides of the net. But I just don't see how he replicates that. You know, he played circumstances so well. are really different this year than what they were last year. With they him. were. He played so he was so committed from the grass court season through the hard court season right into a very good U.S. Open where he beat Medvedev for the second time that summer. But I just don't think he's, the, you know, right now, given these circumstances, when he ended his year early in Tokyo last year and then he was gone for the rest of the year and but basically the first five, six months of this year plays one match on grass that he's gone. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't know anybody. That I, I mean, there are a lot of guys that can do miraculous things, but I think that's asking a lot of himself. So as I say, we got to hope that he can just show up and be there and be able to play go fine. And then we'll see where it goes from there. My guess is he doesn't go more than three rounds. Third round to me, third round is going to be the limit. That's, my guess right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Like you said, hopefully he can play and hopefully he can be healthy and he doesn't have to withdraw from any, um, any of his matches if he advances along the way. So stay tuned for that. Listen, I, I want to end with um, a player that we talked about last week and we didn't know the draw at that time. And we had high hopes for him. He has high hopes for himself. We the draw is out now. It doesn't look that terrible for him. And that's Sebastian Corda. Um, he would, if he advances to the third round, Cam Norrie is a um, possible third round opponent for him. Cam is always difficult to play. And then if he gets through that, I believe he would play Sitsipas in the round of 16 if both those guys are still in there. That's the, that's the second week we talked about. Like, let's get him to the second week. If he can get to the quarters, that would be great. Um, but the second week is we, we feel the standard for Sebi right now. The draw not great but not terrible no as you just pointed out i mean that's a fair analysis very reasonable analysis he's seated 22 nor is seated 12 you're right they could play in the third round he might have to play sitsipas if sitsipas gets there and otherwise it could be any number of guys cressy shelton you name it but lots of tough opponents then eventually if he gets through all that gets through the 16s into the quarters he might have to play medvedev but he did beat medvedev at the australian open so I don't think he should be that discouraged. It's, it's a tougher draw than other seeds might get in his range in the low 20s. But he shouldn't, he shouldn't be complaining about it. He should feel like with his skills on grass and good preparation at Queens 
that this is still a, a nice opportunity for him and he's got to take advantage of it. I agree. All right. I'm going to leave it to you uh, for any final thoughts before first ball comes Monday morning in the U S no, I mean, like, I, nothing, not too much more to add just that I, I'm glad you, you honed in so, so uh, closely on, on those first round matches. Cause I think the fans are in for a treat the first couple of days this year in a way that, it, it, as I said earlier, is not typical. I mean, the, the, it just came up beautifully in terms of these are matchups that might not have happened, but the draw is done. Uh, you know, they, they, it, it's wide open. It's for the public. There's no shenanigans. It just fell this way. It happened this way. You know, if you're not in the top 32, who knows where you're going to end up? And that's where we end up with a Sitsipas team first round match. But I think that's great because I think too often, the first four or five, once we in pre-third round, when seeds meet seeds for the first time, sometimes we can be a little disappointed. Yes, we're watching great players win their matches. The favorites are advancing. There's a few upsets here and there, but maybe not enough enthralling, enticing confrontations. That's not going to be true this year. Uh, we're, we're going to have a, a lot of fun the first couple of rounds. Uh, we, we sure will. And for the listeners, the next time Steve and I record, we may have a little surprise for you. So make sure to stay uh, stay tuned to us when we record. Uh, maybe next week and most likely next Monday. And again, uh, hopefully it'll be a little surprise for everyone. So with that, Steve, I know you're fired up and looking forward to this. I am too. Let's hope there's great tennis all around. Thank you for your time. And I know we'll be uh, eyes glued to the team. Absolutely, David. See you in about a week.